of being able to take care of myself for yes. myself like someone had once said that to me and it never really sank in and every now and then you know i kind of feel like i understood it and then i don't uh, but i think now it's starting to sink in more and more and that the important i have to put myself first so mm -hmm. that i can take care of others uh, there's no point in fraying at the edges and just doesn't help anybody Hello, and welcome to the Law Firm Intelligence Podcast, where we bring you real intelligence from real law firms. I'm your host, Lindsay Griffiths, Executive Director of the International Lawyers Network. And with me this week is our guest, Ziad Saloum from Abu Dhabi with our law firm, Saloum & Partners. Ziad, welcome. We're so happy to have you here this week. Hi. Thanks, Lindsay. It's great to be on with you. Thanks for this. Sure. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about your firm and the situation that you find yourself in over there in Abu Dhabi in terms of the quarantine and the pandemic, and uh, we would really love to hear a little bit more about that. Thanks. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the firm, we are, so Saluman Partners, my father set it up about this year, 40 years. Uh, we were, we had such grand plans for, you know, a, a big event to celebrate 40 years. Yeah. But, uh, all of that has been shelved. Uh, yeah, in terms of we've we're so we've been. I think we've been with the island now what 12, 13 years. Yeah, we I think that's about right. Having, yeah, we're looking forward to having the uh, island annual meeting here in Abu Dhabi this year. That's clearly not to be, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it does it does it does kind of bring things into perspective we're not as in control as we as we sometimes think we are and <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah it's truly interesting times i mean how, how many i don't think the world has ever seen something quite like this uh not in living memory at least right uh, we're all in the same boat so to speak right um, so I, I think I imagine things, things where you are and things here are pretty much similar with maybe some divergences here and there and approach taken by uh, respective governments or businesses and how they want to deal with it. Yeah. So in terms of speaking of dealing with, with it in terms of uh, businesses, are you fully working remotely or is your firm sort of in office and partially remote? Um, for a while we were fully remote, uh, but now we're back to a combination of the two. So we're, we've got about 30% of the team or, or back at the office, uh, some on a permanent basis, so to speak, mm -hmm. and others on a rotational basis. Um, some people can come in and go, come and go as and when needed, or as they feel like it. Uh, as long as we don't exceed thirty percent, the government guidelines at the moment, in Abu Dhabi at least, you're, you, you know, we can go up to thirty percent of capacity. Okay. And so yeah, it's uh, it's 
Yeah, it's been interesting. I think a lot of people wanted to go back to the office. So, you know, we tried to limit it to 30%. And what has been, I know, you know, in terms of coming back to the office, I think that's been one of the biggest questions that we've gotten uh, as a network is, you know, some of the best practices that people are employing. Has there been a particular lesson that you've learned as people are starting to come back to the office that's been really apparent uh, that, that you have found useful? Oof, uh, I think the, uh, it, it's, it's been the biggest lesson is flexibility and adaptability. Yeah. Um, and how quickly you can, you can move and change with the times. Uh, the team honestly surprised me. I, I got actually two massive surprises out of all this. <laughs> Uh, it's how quick they were to agree and adapt to the plan we put into place. I mean, we're talking about people, some some of them at least, uh, who still write their pleadings by hand on paper and then gets typed up. So they were reticent to, they have a computer, they have a laptop, uh, sorry, a desktop at the time at least. They had a desktop, but they were reticent to use it. And in the space of less than two weeks, they've gone paperless. Wow, that's incredible. I, my mind is blown. Honestly, they were they're extraordinary. I'm in awe. Uh, so that I, I thought it was going to be super hard to get, you know, to get everybody to adapt and and to train them up on everything, but minimal training training needed, and everybody jumped on everything we 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 put into place. It was yeah, it's extraordinary. Uh, so that, that was the biggest surprise. Uh, the the other surprise was was actually the leadership of this country here, because they saw this coming. I mean, they saw it super early. I think yeah. uh, Dubai had one of the first cases outside of China, and they reacted very quickly to that. And they saw that it could probably become something much bigger, and they started planning really, really, really early. I mean, they stocked up on medical equipment. They stocked up on supplies. Everything, you know, very quietly, very calmly, methodically. They ramped up their capacities, uh, you know, hospitals. They converted um, exhibition halls into hospitals. All of this without panicking anybody, just getting slowly, quietly prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they brought in lockdown measures in March. End of, sorry, end of, end of March. Mm-hmm. Sorry, beginning of May. I th- actually, I forget now. Don't you know? I'm I'm not very good with timelines. Uh, but you know, but they were already prepared. Very, very, very prepared. I think even was it Steve Harvey had a, on his show. He was he was saying that probably the safest place in the world was the UAE at that time because of everything they were putting into place. And that's yeah, to protect everybody, citizens, residents, everyone. And I mean, not only are they taking care of their own and the, the residents here, but they were, they were there and they still are sending supplies to hard hit countries in the area and around the world. Um, I think at one point they sent medical equipment to Iran and they've had two, two planes recently going to the Palestinian territories. Wow. So, yeah, no, they've been. They were. They saw this coming early, and they 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 acted super fast. I think they built a testing facility for that could do twenty thousand tests in a week. 
Wow. That's incredible. Something, something phenomenal like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it might even be a shorter period. So I'm, I'm quoting, I'm kind of it's from memory from an article a few, some, some time ago. They're doing 45,000 45, tests a day. They've done more than 2.5 million tests. That's incredible. Yes. And it's exactly, it's extraordinary. We have a population of about 10 million people, and you've done you know, a quarter of the population pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we were making the decision as to whether or not we were going to try to proceed with the conference or postpone it and working with the local events company and then by proxy, the the government, how it was hard to make the decision to to postpone because Abu Dhabi and and the Emirates were so on top of things. Um, You know, it really was the safest place at the time um, for people to be. So, you know, that was really part of our messaging. But, um, you know, in the end, it it was our decision to move the conference. But um, we certainly felt that things were extremely safe there uh, and and still are. Obviously, that's proven to be, as you said, they had uh, a lot of foresight in in making the plans that they did and and keeping the citizenry calm. so um, that's uh, it's really hopeful for the future. Yeah, seriously, they they prioritize safety, education, prevention, and then testing, 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 testing. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's been, uh, yeah, for me, everything they did, and then the focus on on all the the healthcare and all that isn't surprising so much. It's it's the uh, it's it's the uh, the speed. It's the foresight that, you know, being able to take a decision like that and implement it. Yeah, that's extraordinary. So does that give you, I mean, that type of leadership, obviously, you know, you're a leader in your own firm. Does that give you lessons to extrapolate into the, the way that you practice and, and I mean, or, you know, how did you use your own leadership skills in managing this crisis within your own firm? Uh, the short answer is yes. I learned quite a lot there. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I learned to take it. You know, I, I've always believed that you have you should take a decision swiftly, mm-hmm. gather as much data as you can, and then the moment you have enough information to take a decision, take it immediately mm-hmm. uh, and implement as quickly as you possibly can. And if there's a if you find there was a wrong decision, adapt, swivel around, and change direction as quickly as you can as well. And that's the biggest lesson I have here. It's, uh, I mean, don't be afraid of, of taking the decision and changing direction if you need to, to adapt to it. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, I was in, in February and March, when we were still talking about early, you know, we were still talking about the the conference. I started to get quite concerned, and I started tracking everything I possibly could. Right. Uh, government directives locally, uh, the you know the guidance from the WHO and other countries, looking at the experience of other countries, uh, looking at the statistics, who is most at risk, what the R not figure was. Uh, I mean, the the and I started having to kind of. Um, go through an educational thing to get with with because there's so much misinformation and a lot right. of my a lot of the team and people around me weren't taking it as seriously as as others right. because i mean it's it sounds 
it doesn't when you say four or five percent mortality rate it, it, it's it's a lot but it doesn't also sound disastrous right un, until you actually think it through um <laughs> but uh and also, I mean, if you, if you tell you it's twice as infectious as the flu, I mean, two people catch it on average, there are not, right? For, yeah. for, whereas with the flu, you're at around one. So they're like, so what? It's just double the flu figures. I mean, it's okay. It's not a big deal. Actually, if you work through the math, it's a massive deal. Right. One person who catches the flu was 10 generations down. So 10 infections later, if you work down, uh, you're several, what? Oh. Now do, trying to do the math in my head, several hundred, <laughs> maybe 180 something, uh, 200. Oh, right. there's a reason I left banking. <laughs> <laughs> but but if you uh, if you if you uh, if you do the same calculation with with two and you work it work your way down ten generations, you're in the thousands of of people infected. Right, uh, right, it becomes exponential. So it becomes exponential and it overwhelms the medical system and it's mm -hmm. not so much uh yeah it, it, and then all the other considerations to take into account and all that it was it was tough going i mean my dad got was hospitalized towards the beginning of uh, of all this like in oh, wow. mid march give or take um he had an infection in his leg uh the uh and I, I basically had to put in, assign somebody to be a bodyguard wow. and stop people from coming into his, 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 uh, his room and sitting on his bed and chatting with him normally. At, oh one, my point, gosh. <laughs> at one point, there were like 10 people in a tiny room, like two meters by two meters. I mean, it's tiny. How, how are you oh fitting God. all here in, in this room? Yeah. yeah. So I had to assign somebody. Nobody comes in. They're all supposed to stay outside. Yeah. I think everybody got a wake up call when, um, Somebody in the hospital panicked. I, I don't even understand how the hospital was allowing this at the time. They were like, yeah, no problem. It's no big deal. Uh, you know, it, nobody, it, it didn't quite sink in, I think, for a lot of people, right. even in, in the medical profession. Right. Until somebody flagged my dad as being a potential carrier for COVID. I don't know where he got this. Wow. Why? On the day my dad was supposed to be discharged, he's like... I think he has it. So, <gasps> oh no! They shut down the whole ward. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, my dad's housekeeper, who had come to visit him, she she was there when they, uh, when, when they when they took the decision or when mm -hmm. this alarm went out. Mm -hmm. So she's like, well, "I'm sorry, you can't leave." <laughs> so she was stuck in. She stayed stuck in his in his little room oh, for. No. Uh, uh, in quarantine with him for for a few days until we got the test results back oh no well, obviously <laughs> negative but i mean the the way everybody panicked uh they all came in in, in hazmat suits yeah and they uh, they 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 wouldn't allow anybody on the floor wow i mean my poor dad seriously that's he, a lot to go through yeah, he, he took it, you know, he took it with his usual humor. But, of course. Uh, he, yes. But, he was, uh, but he, was, he was a bit upset. I think that was a big wake-up call for a lot of people in the firm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was, so, so around then, I was already planning on trying to get everybody, like seeing 
okay, seeing what progress was going and, you know, schools had been, people had been sent home from the schools so mm -hmm. on, you know, homeschooling had started and all that stuff. And there were gradual lockdowns that were going to start coming into place. And I was tracking the infection, the rates of infections in the, announced by the government and all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking at some point an order was going to come down for people to, you know, stay home. I locked down like in other places, other countries. Right. So we started stocking up on, you know, electronics, computers, laptops, printers, scanners, whatever anybody would need. And we started prepping, prepping them. Um, and there was a shortage, obviously, because schools were, you know, people had been sent home from schools. Right. So a lot of people went off to buy a lot of laptops and equipment of that nature. Wow. So like, there's a shortage. Um, it was quite funny. Uh, and then it took a long time to set up everything, get everything ready, and then assign them all in the whole shebang. Yes. But once we were ready to move, so by the 29th of March, we were ready to to move pretty much completely to work completely remotely with the exception of maybe three or four people that's amazing and, and then, how how did yeah. you you know what when that was happening and obviously you talk about the wake-up call for people in the firm so you know you've got this professional side where people are needing each you know as you said the equipment and there is this big learning curve which as you talked about before people moved very quickly and you were surprised at how adaptable everyone was but there's also this emotional side which i think all of us felt um you know with the speed at which this happened and and there's also that fear so how did you deal with the the level of communication that was needed in order to comfort people and help them feel a sense of security both in terms of their personal lives but also their their professional sense of security uh i i had a big meeting um <laughs> massive meeting pretty much with everybody in the firm uh, on two uh, in, in two steps so once in arabic once in english Mm -hmm. for, depending on the language of staff uh, uh, the team would, would speak so and i and i walked them through you know what i thought was happening how i saw it uh what dangers we we, we had and i prioritized people who were most at risk within our team so people with uh the specific underlying conditions either mm -hmm. health you know heart or uh, diabetes that sort of thing um uh, those who at, had people who were at home were at high risk i told them you guys even before we you know before we take a decision about um you know, what what everybody else is going to do i asked every, i asked them to 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 start working from home and i had them prioritize for that so they, they i think and i walked them through the plan for the you know the, how i saw it developing and I, and the impact on our business um and on our clients businesses and i walked them through it step by step and i told them i didn't see anything happening any recovery before at least october right and just based on how things were going to go um, so we planned accordingly they all bought into the plan everybody and i and i had spoken with everybody in turn or a big chunk of people in turn one by one prior to this big meeting to try and get as many ideas and, and you know as many viewpoints as I possibly could and distilled everything in one place um, 
ran it through with with uh, with our management team. So my dad, myself, our CF, our chief operating officer, and gathered everybody and laid it all out. I yeah, like I said, I was surprised at how how quickly everybody just jumped on it. That's that's great. So that's very yeah. important. Um, and yeah. you you talk about you know, your clients and their business. And I know that as a firm, you all work very closely with your clients. And I'm curious to hear about how that relation or those relationships continued through remote working and how that level of communication increased or, or the ways in which that, that you and your colleagues are, are working with your clients to help them through this time. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're always extremely available. Um, the, the only thing that's taken out of the equation is a, 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 an in-person meeting. Right. So, but we replace those with, with uh, virtual ones. So it's been, it's, uh, I mean, we, 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 put, we pushed out the message quite early that we were there for our clients and we understood that their businesses were being impacted and if they needed anything we were there to help right. um, and we tried to put in um, we, we we gave uh, and I'm like now we've just partnered with the Abu Dhabi Chamber of Commerce and we're going to be giving a series of seminars uh, on on uh, items related to uh, you know the, the impact of the pandemic so on Sunday I'm going to be speaking about employment related issues and then sometime later, I'll be talking about force majeure. And, um, and then there's, so there are, I think, one or two more conferences down the line as well, one on family businesses and how they can take advantage of the crisis to leverage, you know, to put into place uh, any succession planning issues that they wanted to do, you know, action those or mm -hmm. otherwise restructure their businesses to be, you know, more in line with the needs of um, the coming needs of the, of, of, uh, you know, of the family, not mm -hmm. just of the business. So things of that nature. Uh, and we're, we've always been, I mean, we know that a lot of our clients are suffering from a financial standpoint. So, I mean, if they tell us that they're not in a position to make a payment now, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to be as flexible as we possibly can right? and support them as much as we possibly can with anything and everything. Right. Right. They might need from a legal standpoint. Yeah. I think, you know, that's true for a lot of us. So <laughs> I'm not, yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, do you think, I mean, obviously those are, are some ways that um, you're promoting your firm and, and, attempting to build business with the knowledge that you know some of your clients aren't going to be able to um, effectively make some payments in some cases um, do you think it's possible that firms and lawyers can build business during a time like this facing both a pandemic and an economic downturn or is it more about managing current clients and looking to the future You know, it's an excellent question. I, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure that the answer for some will be, yes, it's possible. I'm not sure if we're there yet. I think we were, at least our focus was on making sure we're in a position to, uh, to um, have everybody be safe. Uh, 
and and to give them the tools that they needed to be able to work uh, and 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 to be able to support the, our clients and 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 the community and then second is making sure that you know we're because everybody's impacted and i mean efficiency levels at least at the beginning were nowhere near what they where they should have been uh, so you know but at, at least we're we're there to cover the basic needs of clients on the spot and then now we're i think now i mean we started this ex this experiment so to speak in the beginning of may so we're you know now i think we're we're okay. We're back at uh, we're we're back at our normal levels, and I want to try and make things even more efficient and, and faster and smoother and easier as we go. Um, I think there's a lot we can do to improve efficiency, mm -hmm. um, and we can leverage some of the tools that we had to we put into place now to combat the to, to you know to adapt to this. We can leverage those tools to be to do better for our clients i don't know if we can you know build business now i think is the time is, is more to be to be there to, to help there i'm not sure how much additional business there is not right. that we've stopped our activities i mean we're still we're active on linkedin uh you know and other social media platforms where uh, but our primary mode of you know business generation has always been word of mouth right and that's where we're still generating new business that way uh, I just don't see you know we will continue to get new clients but I don't know if we're going to have a growth in the, in, in the amount of work we've got right right if that, that makes, makes sense. sense yeah absolutely um, and I think um, obviously you know being that the primary mode is really how can you be of service to your clients is extremely important and I think a valuable uh, way to operate so um, what's something that you wish you had known at the outset of this that would have been helpful to you? Huh. Oh man, <laughs> where do I begin? I know so many things. <laughs> uh, um, on a personal level, it would have been nice if, if it would have been good to know how difficult it would have been to juggle you know work and you know working from home uh, with with, uh, with uh, you know the needs of, of uh, I've learned I've learned the importance of being able to take care of myself for yes. myself like someone had once said that to me and it never really sank in and every now and then you know I kind of feel like I understood it and then I don't uh, but I, I think now it's starting to sink in more and more, and that the important I have to put myself first so mm -hmm. that I can take care of others. Uh, there's no point in fraying at the edges; and it just doesn't help anybody. Uh, so the put the so, oxygen mask on yourself first model of like when the airplane yes. goes down. Yep, exactly. So mm -hmm. you know, that, so uh, trying to just yeah make sure you you know things aren't overwhelming and for that you know found lots of ways to actually engage with the kids on this so we've, we've got a project where i'm trying i'm getting them slowly into photography and and we're using their legos to make these little funny scenes um, and then we take a picture of it and the idea is to build a lego museum and, and I'll, i'm gonna i'm keeping this as a small surprise for them but i'm gonna have a like a little book uh, of all the pictures we've taken 
Oh, I love uh, that. Yeah. So we they have, um, you know, it's uh, so there's there's there to give you one big one example. We have um, the Saturn V rocket mm -hmm. that uh, Lucas built, so the the eldest, about a year ago, and so we uh, we we made it launch. We took oh, a picture wow. of it launching, and so we we colored, painted uh, some glass uh, uh, Tupperwares uh, in yellow and in red. We we brought a whole pile of torches and lights and all that stuff and lit it up so that they look like, you know, it, it looks like there there's a there's a big ball of fire coming out of the the rocket itself. And we wow. covered it up with cotton, cotton balls and little strips here and there of, of cotton going back and forth as though it's smoke coming out of it. And then we took a nice little picture of it. That's so we, cool. Yeah, so they're they're having a blast. I'm decompressing. They're learning photography and they're learning to appreciate some of this stuff and they're thinking about some amazing things they could do with their Legos. So it's you know it's amazing on all on all sides. I found that to be extremely cathartic. That's Ooh. great. That's great. I love that so much. Um, and so I guess sort of along those lines, my last question to you is what is something outside of this entirely that you're really enjoying? And that probably ties into exactly what we've just been talking about. Yeah, family. Yeah, that's yeah. been, that's, uh, yeah, they've had a blast. Uh, I, if we've, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, Lara and I, uh, despite everything, uh, I think, even though we're we're getting a bit frazzled <laughs> the the kids the, the kids don't really seem that impacted on the contrary they feel like it's it's been the time of their life so far even though they're aware of what's going on they know there's a pandemic they know they're you know they know what it is they, they talk about the virus all the time they don't touch things when they go outside and all that so yeah they're despite all this they're having a blast that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I were talking just before the call about what the kids will remember years from now. And I think, you know, I'm really curious to hear about that, too, for my, my nieces and, uh, you know, what this will all mean for them. But um, I think hopefully it will be just wonderful time with family and adventures and curiosity and learning things. And so, um, you know, I think that's a really wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a really wonderful conversation and I really appreciate it. And to thank you, Lizzie. Oh, wonderful. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next week with another guest. And in the meantime, wherever you listen to podcasts, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. And we thank you so much for joining us. Real law firms, real intelligence.